This is Maggie Stewart of Hidden Creek Games, and you're listening to Legends of Tabletop. Hey everybody, this is John. And this is Vince. And you're listening to Legends of Tabletop. Creating legends one die at a time. Hey everybody, welcome. Oh my god, my computer's trying to reboot. That would be horrible right now. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to episode 95 of the Legends of Tabletop podcast. We've got Maggie with us tonight to talk about their uh, brand new Kickstarter for uh, Dragon Dodge, a fun little tile-based uh, game. So, uh, how's it going, Maggie? I'm doing pretty well. Great. I'm glad that you could come uh, come on and, and talk about Dragon Dodge. We were lucky enough to uh, receive a review copy of that, and everybody can check out legendsoftabletop.com for our review there, or hit right to the Kickstarter. You can also link out from there. Um, so, I was doing my research for the show tonight and found out that uh, you and Jeff were both physicists. Um, how did you get into game design and, and what are you doing now? Are you guys still in science related fields or something completely different? Um, well, yeah, I guess. So we both got our PhDs in physics. And then after that, I became a high school physics teacher and I did that for a few years. And then about a year and a half ago, I stopped working and decided to spend some more time with our kids. We have two daughters. So Right now, I yeah, I stay home, but I also do some. I'm, for example, I'm organizing the science fair for our local elementary school this year. So that's kind of how I stay a little bit involved with science, at least. And Jeff is a data scientist, so not exactly physics, but he still uses <laughs> a lot of his uh, a lot of the skills he learned there. Um, and as to how we got into game design. I guess we've been playing games for a long time. Jeff's family is really into games. Um, in fact, the first time that I met his family was for Thanksgiving. And literally, either the second or third question that I got was, do you play games? <laughs> so, <laughs> so um, and then once we, probably when we started grad school, we started getting introduced to some other of the newer, more modern games like Settlers, Settlers of Catan and Carcassonne and all those. And uh, we just really enjoy playing. Uh, it's an excuse not to sit and watch TV all evening, so that's always good. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess our nature for both of us, I think, is to kind of look at something and think about how we would do it better, <laughs> <laughs> which is probably what led us to, to trying to design our own game. Um, not, not that we're doing a better job than other designers, but that's just what kind of gets us thinking about ideas. Sure, uh, sure. Until we decided to just like actually try making a, a prototype and writing down some rules, and we went from there. Cool. And I guess it's probably that analytical background where you you know you take a look at a game and you're like, well, you know, if it went like this, it'd be a little better, or maybe we'd you know switch this around. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. Um, when you guys, uh, do you guys brainstorm together? Or do you kind of like, um, you know, sort of partition things out as one of you more designer and, you know, one more like, you know, rules and, and that sort of stuff? Um, yeah, definitely. I think Jeff is usually the one that has the initial idea. So he'll be thinking of a theme or a particular mechanic that he 
came up with and then we kind of go from there and brainstorm together for a while and you usually um i guess probably a lot of times the way it goes is he throws out some ideas we talk about it for a while and it ends up with me saying no i don't really like it (laughs) (laughs) and then he i don't know then the next day he somehow expanded on that idea and you know has some other direction to take it and then we talk about it for a while again and until it, it leads to something that we can actually play test. Um, and then I, I guess I, I mean, I, I help in that way with the design, with a lot of the brainstorming and play testing, but then I tend to do more of the, well, I've pretty much handled a lot of the Kickstarter stuff, for example, and just uh, getting us into conventions and things like that. So the more businessy side of it too. Sure, sure. Do you guys do a lot of conventions or no? Um, well, we have this amazing group here in Seattle that's called Playtest Northwest. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, uh, if I guess if anyone knows of the Daily Magic games, like the Valeria games and several others that they've had on Kickstarter recently, they're a big part of that group, like in, in terms of organizing and getting us into events and stuff. So through that group, um, they have all kinds of stuff, like sometimes just a small event at a game store on a Saturday, and you just go and hang out there for four or five hours and get a few people to sit down and play test your game. Uh, and then they're also at the bigger conventions in the area. So through them, we were able to get to PAX West and Geek Girl Con and Dragonflight last year, which are all pretty big conventions in this area. Um, and yeah, I mean, we probably wouldn't have been able to go there on our own because I don't know how much it costs to have like a booth at PAX or something. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> but, uh, but through them, it's been amazing. And then they they drive a lot of traffic to you also, and you get to talk to other designers, and it's been really cool. Cool. Yeah, Sean Epperson of uh, Think Twelve Games is a member over there too. Oh uh, yeah. 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 We've had Sean on a, a couple of times. So uh, so the. As a group, the Playtest Northwest is really uh, supportive of the community and, and you know, and, and backing and helping and, and just putting you into contact with, uh, you know, similar minded individuals and, you know, getting, you know, having the opportunity to be able to play test games and, and that kind of stuff. So that's, that's great up there that, that you guys have that kind of community that you could be a part of. And that's so, you know, kind of integral to kind of moving things along. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I don't know. Because when you first come up with a game design and, you know, you, you play it on your own or even you play it with your friends. And I feel like all those play test sessions are really biased towards how you are presenting the game or like your idea of how the game should be played. Mm-hmm. You know, because you're playing it with some some gaming experience in mind and you don't really know if that's how it's going to be received by by random people that don't know you until you play it or you have those people play it. and. I don't know how else we would get play testers that we don't know right. other than through something like this. And we've literally gotten hundreds of people to play Dragon Dodge this way. So, yeah. That's awesome. But it's kind of like an art, you know, an RPG, you know, you, you know, craft a scenario and you come up with a story and, you know, you get down in front of the players and they're like, Nope, we're going that way. And you're like, wait a minute, what? <laughs> <laughs> so you get a new game to the table. Yeah. You don't know if, uh, you know, if, if people, you know, like you're so familiar with a project when you're working on it, you're like, no, it's got a, this and this. And you're, you know, trying to do all these different things and other people look at it with completely different eyes. They're like, I don't know, why would you do that? Right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, is, so do you like overall, do you guys have like a certain uh, aesthetic that you're shooting for? Uh, you know, like light quick games, you know, are you, uh, 
you know, sort of in the market for developing, you know, something, you know, a little heavier or is it just kind of like whatever concepts come out in brainstorming and just kind of run with it? Um, yeah, I mean, I think we're not going to like explicitly like limit ourselves to a certain type of game, but I, I think that we have really liked how easy it has been to get people to play Dragon Dodge because it's so easy to explain. And also we have liked how surprised people are once they play it that it's actually pretty strategic. We kind of like that combination of very simple rules yet mm -hmm. strategic depth. So if we can keep it along those lines, I think that's that would be something we'd like to do. Um, we also want to try to keep it kind of family friendly and inclusive just because that's the type of games we like to play. Sure. Um, and, you, you know, we're always we mostly play games at home, either just me and Jeff or with the kids or maybe with some friends that are not like heavy gamers. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, that probably our inclination would be for the kind of lighter games, but still with with some strategy in them. You know, we don't want to do something that's just purely luck or just, uh, yeah. Does that okay. make sense? I think yeah, I kind of no. rambled. <laughs> no, that's fine. That's fine. Um, <laughs> so is your science background kind of what led you to develop your first game, Counter Virus? It has very sort of like technical kind of bits and, and language and things like that in it. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think there were a few things. Um, the, yeah, the whole artificial intelligence aspect of it uh, that's definitely something that Jeff has been interested in as a career. So it's, uh, I think a lot of it came in through, through that. And, uh, and some of the aspects of the game, like the, the idea of having, I mean, obviously people would not know this game because it's not published, but, uh, <laughs> one of the, the, one of the, the things about the game that was kind of different was different players would have different paths that they could build and only they could take. So it's, we like to talk about is different topologies. Um, and yeah, that's, it starts getting kind of <laughs> the way we used to talk about it definitely would get kind of technical and <laughs> based on some of our science background. <laughs> sure. Now, is that something that you may be looking forward in the future to bring out? Is this, what, what's the status of that? Um, yeah. I mean, for me personally, as a former and maybe future again, science teacher, um, I would really love to make, a physics game, like a game that actually teaches a physics concept. Uh, I know in terms of marketing, those are harder. Like it's it, so. I think if we get a solid start with a couple other games, then I would want to try to do something like that. Just because it's. Uh, I mean, I know teachers are always looking for fun ways to teach stuff, <laughs> mm -hmm. and uh, I I think there's there's definitely opportunities there for for coming up with some creative way to teach some of the tougher uh, physics concepts. Cool. Yeah, one of the guys that comes to our meetup uses games. Uh, I forget what he's, I don't think he's an HR guy, but it, he, you know, something akin to that where he works at. And he uses games in his meetings and things to try to, mm -hmm. you know, sort of develop concepts and be like, oh, see if you, you know, do this, you know, it achieves this, you know, like engine building and, you know, some of those sorts of things, you know, some of the cooperative games and stuff, uh, which is interesting. I, I thought that was really cool when he was telling me about it, that they, you know, you can use games in, in, you know, sort of that, like you wouldn't think about, like, that's not my first thought when I think of games. Like, I, I'm going to play games. I want to kick the crap out of my brother or something. And, you know, we're good to go. And he's like, oh, I use games at work to like develop these concepts to, you know, create unity and, you know, getting jobs done and things. And I'm like, that's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, that does sound cool. I want to work there. Yeah. <laughs> Play games <laughs> at the meetings. Right. Um, uh, Dragon, was it Dragon Dodge that was, or was it Counter Virus? Was a, uh, a semifinalist for the Lucy Awards? Uh, yeah, that was Counter Virus. That's kind of, that's how we met all the Playtest Northwest people. So they organized the Lucy Awards that are actually, they're starting to get, uh, accept submissions now for this year's Lucy Award. Um, so yeah, that was Counter Virus. We just, we saw it and it was local and we we're like, ah, let's, let's just try it. So we submitted it. Uh, you know, had to make a video in like 24 hours or something because oh, <laughs> uh, we've kind of found it like at the last minute. But but it turned out turned out to be a really cool experience, even though, you know, we didn't win. And I guess you said you thought you had Sean for Dice of Crowns. Yeah, like their game was much more developed and better. <laughs> so that was fine. But we, you know, we met a lot of the people that that now we interact with all the time when it comes to, to game design and that have really helped us get to this point with Dragon Dodge. So that was, oh, and that's also where we met our artist oh, for, cool. for Dragon Dodge. So, yeah. Oh, nice. I didn't realize she was local for you guys. Yeah, she is. Cool. All right. Um, and, and the Lucy Awards is specifically a playtest Northwest um, construction or design, I guess. Uh, yeah, so there's the Evergreen Tabletop Expo that happens. I, I think it's fairly new. It's, it's maybe going on its fourth year or so. It's a, a tabletop convention here in, in Seattle. And so last year, Playtest Northwest kind of got together with with ETX, Evergreen Tabletop Expo, and they decided to host this, this award. And uh, I mean, it's cool because there's so many local designers and we actually even had some people like from Utah and other places that had submitted and made it into the into the finals. Um, so yeah, and then they're doing it again this year. Cool, that's yeah, very cool. Um, okay, I'm just looking. I'm looking at my questions. I'm sorry, I'm distracted. <laughs> oh, that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> um, so Dragon Dodge isn't your first game, uh, but it is your first Kickstarter. Uh, what did you guys do to kind of get yourself prepared? Um, just talking to people at Playtest Northwest. I mean, Jamie Stegmeyer. Like, what was kind of your your path to Kickstarter? Um, yeah, so it, it started out reading all of Jamie Stegmeyer's blog and book, since you mentioned yeah. <laughs> that. I think pretty much anyone that wants to do a Kickstarter needs to do that. Uh, and that, I mean, it's incredible how much information he has put together. That was that really gave me kind of the big picture of how much work it's going to be. That was probably about a year ago that I started reading all that. Um, And then from there, it was kind of figuring out, well, take all that information and what is it, how does it apply to our project? Like how do we translate that into the specifics of of what we want to achieve with our project? Uh, And that's where, yeah, talking to more like local people and asking for, you know, references for manufacturers and things like that. And, um, the other thing that I've done more over the last maybe four months or so has been to look at specific companies that are also creating family-friendly games that are maybe having, you know, we're not going to have a Jamie Stagmeyer style Kickstarter campaign with a million dollars. So <laughs> so looking at examples that are more realistic to what we're hoping to achieve and seeing, you know, looking at like all the little things that they do during a campaign and before and stuff and just getting ideas like that of how we, we could run our campaign. Now, it, with all that being done, were you prepared? Like when you 
click the start button and you guys went live was it was it a relief is it is it stressful still is it uh yeah it's it's still stressful i mean we're not funded yet so that's, yeah. <laughs> i think it's what we are i mean i think we're on a good path we're at almost 65 percent, i think with over two weeks to go so we're feeling confident but uh i think what the what's hard is the first couple of days we did pretty well we had we had personalized emails ready to just click send as soon as we launched for like almost anyone we knew that likes board games <laughs> um <laughs> and we we also had like a probably about 50 play testers that had given us our e their email address so that we could let them know when we launched so thanks to that i think we had a pretty solid first day and then you know people kept coming in second day third day and then it's like oh wait only four backers today <laughs> and it's like it just starts to feel kind of like i don't know if depressing is the word but like you, you you're just trying to figure out like how do you keep this going because it kind of feels like it's just gonna plateau mm -hmm. here um but uh but then actually what has been really nice is going out on the weekends to these playtest events and playing with people because then that's kind of like the reminder of oh yeah like we're doing this because people actually like our game um and it's just kind of fun to to play and actually talk to people in person instead of just like through kickstarter comments and and messages sure sure so. cool um i had something that just went away damn it oh uh you're talking about personal communication I was blown away when I got a review copy and there's like parchment paper with dragon wax seal and everything. I mean, it was kudos. I mean, it was, it was really nice. And you got them out super early too. Cause I got it. I played it and I'm looking at it. I'm like, I should probably be reviewing this. And I'm like, Nope, this, this isn't going live for another <laughs> couple of months yet. <laughs> uh, yeah. We definitely wanted to allow plenty of time for reviewers. Cause well, I mean, a couple of things, first of all, like, we wanted to know if it didn't go well with reviewers, you know, we, we wanted to know that with enough time. Uh, and like, for example, you commented on the art and a couple other people did too. And so we were like right away, talked to our artist and she was like, yeah, I can get that done by December. And we're like, okay, we still have, that's so early, you know, cause we're launching in February. So that was right. one thing. Like we, even though we had play tested a lot, it's kind of different to send a, like a blind review copy, I guess. And, uh, know how that's going to go and then the other thing is well we're we're new no one knows us and so it's kind of you're asking people a favor to review your game so we thought it'd be more likely to to get positive answers or you know to <laughs> get people to agree to review if we're like well yeah you have three months you know to do this <laughs> yeah sure <laughs> <laughs> it was definitely good for me because I'm, I'm bad with that kind of stuff <laughs> Uh, and you noticed, you know, or you, you had mentioned, you know, first time Kickstarter, how hard is it to get noticed as a first time Kickstarter with so many games on Kickstarter now? It, it's, you know, is it, do you get lost in the shuffle? Oh yeah. I mean, I think right now there's just in the tabletop game category in Kickstarter, there's over 200 <laughs> games. I think I want to say like 250 or something. I don't remember. Um, so yeah, on the first day you get a little more exposure because you show up in the like recently launched. Mm -hmm. So to our surprise, actually on the first day, more than half of our backers were people we didn't know. Oh, cool. Which was like, that was nice. I mean, I, we, we had hoped for that, but you never know, you know, or how, how people are going to find you. But yeah, then definitely now once, you know, we're a couple of weeks in, 
it's I it's hard for people to find you. I think, and that, that's part of the marketing, or I don't know. That's the part that we're not very good at. Yeah. <laughs> trying to figure well, it out. You're here now. Yeah, that's what it's all about. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, uh, do you think that there's there's hesitation from people who, you know, regularly back Kickstarters when they see a first-time designer, you know, first-time, you know, game being published, be like, hey, you know, is there going to be support? Is it going to fun? You know, like, what's their track record sort of thing? Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, like, for me personally, I would say I might actually do the opposite to some extent. Like, I'm not going to fund something that I feel like these people have no idea what they're doing or, like, you know, they don't have any, any, no reviews or anything like that. I wouldn't pledge on something like that. But when I see like these like huge campaigns that well the game's going to be available on retail later anyway and like they don't really need my support right now I'd rather keep my money. But if I see a campaign that looks from like a smaller indie company that is like hey they had a cool idea and especially if it's like family friendly because sometimes that's harder to find at stores. Sure. Uh, I would I would actually be more likely to back something like that because I feel like they might have some small little game that is actually pretty fun for us and. They're not going to make it without people helping. Um, but that's me. I think that's maybe not the majority. I'm not sure. I mean, I um, we we have six reviews, so I'm hoping that that adds some credibility. Um, and we also have uh, some comments from people that have played the game locally that they're not people we know. They're just people that happened to show up at some event we were at, and they've commented on why they've liked the game. So I think that might help, but I don't know how many people go and like read the reviews, I mean, or read the comments on the Kickstarter page, yeah. you know? Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely hard and it's understandable. Like why should anyone just go and <laughs> give money yeah. to a small, <laughs> a small new company that is trying to make their first game? Uh, I guess the answer would be, because hopefully there's something about it that strikes them as like, Oh, you know, even though I don't know them, like there's that little bit of the game that intrigues me or that that I like, and mm. I want to support that. Yeah, I'm I'm like you in that regard. I, I, you know, if something's you know first time or whatever, I don't give too much thought unless you said you know if it just looks like wow, this could be a really bad deal. Uh, but you know, if there's reviews up and you know the game looks interesting, the theme is good. Um, because like you said, without that support, that game may never get made then, you know, it might not be something that, you know, you can buy for real retail later. Um, you know, Chaosium and, and some of the other companies and, and not to knock them, uh, but you know, Kickstarter can be, you know, sort of a pre-order system that's, uh, you know, in some instances for some of these, you know, bigger companies and yeah, I mean, it's great, but you know, yeah, you get a little bit cheaper, maybe that's okay, but you know, you want to kind of get in there and I, I, I think almost every game I've backed so far has been from a smaller company for sure. Okay, cool. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, it, it's like, you know, I try to buy all my games that I'm not buying on Kickstarter, obviously uh, over my, my local game store, you know, and it's just sort of the same principle. You want to support local business. You want to support, you know, geeks in your area, you know, if you have some place to, you know, to take your new game to play test or, you know, go out and, you know, for me to go out and try out a new game, um, you know, that, that sort of, you know, uh, community involvement in mm -hmm. whether it's with dollars or your time is, is super important. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, gaming is, is, 
nerd culture in general, I guess, is, is a bigger thing now than it used to be. And, you know, gaming is, you know, seems to be on the upswing. But I think overall is probably still sort of a niche thing. So, you know, any kind of support you can throw is definitely, you know, thumbs up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, Dragon Dodge had completely different beginnings, at least theme-wise. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Oh, yeah. It it started out, well, back to the physics background, I guess. We wanted to make a game, or like the idea came up of a, a game about Schrodinger and his cat. So I don't, I don't know if you're familiar with Schrodinger's okay. cat uh, thought experiment, right? So, um, so we kind of settled on trying to do something where Schrodinger was like walking around his house or something. I actually don't even remember the details very well now, but, you know, <laughs> like kind of walking around his house and like trying to get to the cat or see if it was dead or alive. I'm not sure, but... But that's where the, the tile idea came up, where it's like, what if you could like rotate the tiles to change Schrodinger's path or whatever? And like, and then, and that was one of those examples actually where Jeff and I were like brainstorming on this. And we probably spent like an hour talking about how we could make it work for Schrodinger and his cat. And then the next morning he's like, okay, so forget about Schrodinger. It's just gonna be tiles. And it's gonna be like these four different sides of the tile how can we make this work? And then we kind of, so we just kept that, that one mechanic of the rotating tiles and making the paths and then went from there. Cool. All right. And, and what is Dragon Dodge all about? I mean, we're halfway through an interview here. Let's, <laughs> let's kind of talk about what we're here for. What is Dragon Dodge and, and what's it all about? All right. Yeah. So, so Dragon Dodge is, well, first of all, it's a tile game. So you start out with uh, this tile layout where the tiles are randomized at the beginning of every game. Uh, and you have two teams of wizards on the board. So each team has two, two wizards. And then there are also two dragons. So what you're trying to do is you're trying to move the dragons towards the opposing team's wizards. Because if you can get the dragon on the same tile as a wizard, then that wizard is out. And you want to eliminate both of their wizards to win the game. Uh, but what's a little different is that the other team can also move the same two dragons that you're trying to move, and they're trying to move them towards your wizards. Um, now, you're going to have some cards. That every turn, you get to draw cards. And these cards, they, they limit what you can do on your turn. So it's not like a completely open-ended strategy game. But there's still a lot of choices because some of the cards allow you to do things like rotate tiles or slide tiles. And then also some of the tiles will be removed from the game every time the dragon moves. So you actually have a lot of different paths to consider or, you know, options for how you might want to get, first of all, like which dragon do you want to move? Uh, do you want to move the dragon towards your opponent or do you want to move your own wizard to try to lure the dragon and things like that? So you end up kind of optimizing, trying to create optimal paths so that you can maybe use less cards to move the dragons and at the same time making sure that you're staying safe yourself um and i think that's it i probably said too much so there's like a, a base layout that that's suggested for the game and then i think there's like you know two alternates but mm -hmm. i think you know pretty much any you know equally laid out pattern of tiles would be you know, good for, you know, good for play. So, I mean, you could just completely make up your own um, arena, as it were, to uh, to play the game. So it's, and the replay, replayability is nice because not only do you have that option of, hey, I'm going to make, 
my own arena up and we'll just, we'll play that. Um, but like you said, every time you lay the tiles out, flip them over, the orientation of those tiles is different as well. So, you know, sometimes you might get lucky and you've got, you know, two uh, wind sides together or two water sides together. And, you know, other times everything is completely random and you're just like, man, I need that one card to move. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes it's like when you're stuck in a situation like that, where it's, it's kind of interesting when you're watching other people play and you're not playing and then you realize all the options that they're not seeing that I'm sure happens to me too when I play, you know, but mm -hmm. it's like when you're just watching people play and they're just waiting for that one fire car so they can move the dragon in that exact place. And it's like, well, did you realize you could have moved the other dragon and gotten the other <laughs> wizard? <laughs> but, you know, you get focused because you have a plan and you want to carry out that plan. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah. <laughs> Now, there's, I mean, there certainly is a random factor, you know, due to those things, you know, the way the tiles get flipped and everything. Uh, but uh, like you said earlier, there is a strategic element to it that I think, you know, kind of balances that out. I mean, you know, we've played and, um, you know, it is sort of that thing, you know, either someone gets locked in a certain, you know, a certain thought pattern, like, oh, I, I got to do this, this, and I need this card. Um, but, you know, it's one of those things you're like, ah, oh, you know, if I move here and then you kind of get, you know, you, then you get in your own head like, well, I can move here and here or I can add that tile and move this because I have this card and if I get that one. So, you know, I, it, definitely light strategy. I mean, you know, we're not, it's not Battlestar Galactica, but um, I, I think there's enough depth there to get people engaged to, you know, really sort of get into the game and sort of kind of you know, get into that, you know, deeper level of strategy, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thanks. That's that's definitely what we were going for. And uh, I guess another thing to mention maybe is that there's there's two different decks. That I guess I think that's, for me, that might be one of my favorite parts of the game. There's two different decks. One that basically gives you the element spells that allow you to move the, the meeples, be it your own wizard or the dragon meeples, from tile to tile. And then the other deck that allows you to do stuff to the tile, so like rotate a tile or move a tile or add a tile. So on your turn, you get to decide which one you want to draw from or if you want one from each. Um, and so it's, it's that little moment of decision making that I, that's where I'm thinking of all the possibilities and trying to calculate like, wait, which deck should I draw from? Which one gives me the bigger, the better chance of actually getting to do what I want to do? And then you draw the first card and then you still get to decide where to draw the second one based on what you got, if that affects your your plan. So mm -hmm. I, I, for me personally, that that's maybe one of my favorite aspects of the game. Yeah. The one guy I play with at work all the time, he always draws right up to six cards. Like he won't even move anything. He's like, give me all the cards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that work, that does work out a lot of the times. No, it gives you a lot more options for sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I guess we should also say, too, that as you do move the dragon meeples, that, again, also alters the arena of play. Uh, as the dragons move from tile to tile, those tiles are destroyed, uh, and then they go into your hand. So if you do draw a tile spell and it allows you to add a tile, you need one of those tiles that a, da a dragon has destroyed to be able to use that card. Yeah, yeah. So And that, that also kind of makes it so that the board starts to shrink as you play because you're removing tiles every time a dragon moves and that that was that was kind of what made the whole game work i think because we didn't have that removing a tile for like the first few weeks that were that we were actually play testing the game as it is except for that well mostly as it is except for that aspect of it where you remove the tiles and then it was just there was just like a lot of back and forth you know like i move the dragon here and then you move it back because you you know like 
it, it, it could easily turn into like a gridlock. Mm-hmm. And once we figured out the removing a tile every time the dragon moves, it just completely changed changed the game. Sure, sure. All right, I'm going to switch gears on you real quick here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know, you may have recently heard that uh, Easy Roller Dice Company is now sponsoring the podcast. Yay, Easy Roller Dice Company. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Um, so if you're, uh, you know, anybody out there is in the market for, uh, gaming accessories, whether it's, uh, you know, another set of dice or, uh, game, uh, dice bags or, or game mats, um, they recently just added, uh, to the store, you know, most, uh, double-sided, uh, you know, RPG mats have, you know, one inch hexes on one side and then, um, squares on the other side. Well, why not two sets of squares? Both sides squares, you can get it from Easy Roller Dice Company. I think, I don't, I closed the window. I think it's like 24 bucks. So it's like the normal, you know, price for like a regular, you know, flip mat. Uh, it comes with two markers, comes rolled up in a tube so you keep it stored in your tube. It keeps, uh, keeps you from creasing the map. I think I've got one folded up in my closet, which is not optimal, but, eh, you know, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it's a great bunch of guys. I mean, you could go to ChessX, right? Big, nameless, faceless company, or you could support local business. Uh, you know, they're a good bunch of guys. Mike's been on the show a couple of times. Me, I'm cheap. I don't like to spend money, but I spend money at Easy Roller Dice Company. Uh, they sent us some stuff for review. I've purchased a bunch of stuff from them. Uh, they've got a 30 day money back guarantee. So if you ordered something, you don't like it, wrong color, wasn't quite what you thought it was. They'll take it back full refund. No problems there. And for the month of March, if you use uh, coupon code legends, 10, you'll get 10% off your order. So head on over to easy roller dice company. That's easy dice.com. And, uh, Throw in that coupon code and get yourself 10% off. Support the sponsors. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very nice. I know I've I listened to maybe even two of your interviews with them, and they definitely sound like really nice. nice people. Are they, did they do the metal dice? Or was yes. That, uh, okay. Both the, uh, the yeah. gun metal uh, series, um, which you know, funded in, and then their, their latest one was for their rose gold dice, uh, another set of metal dice, uh, really pretty, you know, both, both sets are really nice. Um, you know, your plastic stuff is plastic dice, whatever. I mean, they've got some <laughs> interesting sets on there. Um, but, but nice guys, you know, you know, family guys, you know, Mike had to cancel one, uh, one podcast cause the kids were at a baseball game or something like that. So, uh, you know, those are the kind of people you want to support, you know, not that, you know, ChessX is a horrible company or anything, but you know, when you can support local business guys that are doing something, they're fully invested, you know, mm-hmm. they're, they're into what they're doing. Um, you know, again, we talk about community on here all the time. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you want to, you want to support good people, uh, you know, doing things that they love. So, uh, Easy Roller Dice Company. Yeah, nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, so have you found uh, with Dragon Dodge that it becomes more of a game about moving the dragons as opposed to moving your meeples? I know when we play, uh, you know, unless we're really being threatened, it's pushing dragons. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely... I mean, it, it sometimes, occasionally in the playtest, I have seen people that are just go right for their own wizards and start moving them at the beginning. And sometimes it works. Like they, if they have something really specific in mind, sometimes they try to move their wizard next to the other team's wizard. So then mm. you're kind of like, 
it forces you to move the dragon towards yourself too. And sure. then it's kind of like a toss up who's going to end up getting there first. Um, but yeah, definitely most of the time you move the dragons a lot more than your own wizards. Um, and that, that bugs some people, I think sometimes because just because they're used to like, Hey, in a game, I'm supposed to want to move my guy somewhere. Like that's just, uh, <laughs> and I mean, I don't know if, if that's, if that's, really important to you that you get to move your own wizard or you know your own player in the game then okay <laughs> that's yeah, that's fine yeah. i mean it, it didn't it didn't work out we we play tested some other stuff we tried to add some things where maybe there were incentives for moving your wizards maybe you're trying to collect something or there's you know like a race to also get somewhere else sure and in the end it just was not the play the the gaming experience that we were going for, like it, it just ended up adding obviously more rules and more complications to the game. And we didn't feel that it really actually enhanced the gameplay. So we, we went back to our, the original plan, I guess, uh, to, to, of what it is now. Um, yeah. Well, and, and I, you know, I, I had never even thought about it. I mean, we, you know, we played and, you know, that was kind of, sort of the default scenario and I didn't really give it too much thought. And I, you know, I had read a couple of other reviews where, you know, that did come up as a, as a subject and I'm like, Oh yeah, I mean, I guess so. But you know, it wasn't, wasn't anything that was really like, wow, this is terrible because I can't move my meeple. Like it just never, the thought never <laughs> crossed my mind. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess it just depends on like your expectations for a game. Sometimes if you go in like completely open-minded, like, well, this is this is just a new game that I've never played before, so we'll see how it plays. And you're yeah. okay with it feeling a little different, then hopefully you like it. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it's two to four players, um, and I I feel it really really makes its bones at two player. It, it's ultimate strategy face off. You know, it's you versus the other player. Um, you know, there's no other outside influence. Um, the three to four player plays well. I mean, we've played it. It is fine. I, I enjoy, you know, even a three player game cause you're, <laughs> and it's, and it's fun. Like I've played as the single player and a three player and it's like, yeah, I get more cards. Like everything, you know, you and then me and then you and then me. And I'm like, man, I have all these cards. It's great. <laughs> but, uh, it did not. It wasn't as unbalancing as I thought it might be. Um, I think we probably split, you know, maybe 50, 50, 60, 40, you know, even doing a, a, a you know, a three player game. Mm -hmm. So I, I think it balances really well, even with three and four, but I, I really love it as a two player. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think, well, I mean, Jeff and I have been mostly playing two player games for about the last 12 years yeah. <laughs> i mean we play with other people too but but that's like on a on a weeknight almost every night we're playing a game that it doesn't have to be exclusively a two-player game but we play at two players yeah. uh so it's, it's probably not a coincidence that the <laughs> game that we designed ends up being best for two players um and but i'm glad you mentioned that it it ends up balanced for three players because that's what we have seen also in play testing even though when you first tell someone the rules for three players, they assume it's not fair. They, they kind of, they, or they're skeptical that it's going to be balanced. Mm -hmm. And it, it, we really have seen that it is. And uh, it, we've actually, we have had a few groups of four 
one of one of the best memories I've had of playtesting Dragon Dodge at a convention was at PAX West, where it, there was this couple that came and then some other guy, and they didn't know each other, and we all played a four-player game, and they just had a blast. I mean, I did too, honestly. Like, it was just like, and they they just sat there for like 40 minutes, just like playing and talking, and it was just like those are the moments where like oh yeah like i really want this game to get to people because i know there are people out there that are going to enjoy it and i mean that one was a four-player game um but but i i do agree that it's probably best at two players yeah I, that 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 really fits into my wheelhouse i play a lot of games with my brother so like you know like you guys even if it's a you know a four-player game we're playing it at two-player mm-hmm. um and that really sort of you know, like abstract strategy, that kind of like seven Ronin, those sorts of things. Like I, I really get into that because it's like the ultimate, you know, showdown, like brother on brother. So like for me, like that fits my aesthetic so well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you, do you guys prefer um, a cooperative game or, or more of a, uh, you know, a, I wouldn't even know what the counter that is, you know, a one, you know, one person winner game. Um. I don't know. For a while, we were playing a lot of co-op games. We definitely played a lot of Forbidden Desert and Hanabi. Um, until I think we it just kind of we just felt like we kind of beat the games as much as we wanted to, at least. Uh, and then we moved on and we started finding some other games that we could play two players that are not co-op but are not directly confrontational. Uh, and that's where we're at now. I mean, we've been playing a lot of, uh, let's see, Patchwork, for example. That one is exclusively two players, but it's very, there's some interaction, but it's not confrontation. I guess Jeff tends, tends to be more like seeking conflict than I am when we play a game. <laughs> like if we play Carcassonne, for example, he will come and invade my city. And then I'm like, ah, oh, okay, now I spent all that time building that city. Now I'm just going to take it. I'm, the game is ruined for me now. <laughs> um, so we prefer games that are not, that don't allow that as much, or at least I prefer those games. And right. we've really been finding a lot like that. So it's been a lot of fun. To, well, not so good for our wallets, but it's been fun to find a lot of those games uh, over the last couple of years. Are there certain games that, that you... Uh, gravitate towards like we uh, we just play tons and tons of Splendor. Uh, I'm mm-hmm. I'm late to the game, I guess, in that regard. But uh, man, we if we're not play at least a couple of times a week, we're playing Splendor. I take it to work. I play with my brother. I make my parents play it. They hate it, but they play it anyway. Um, so, are there certain games that just kind of hit the table all the time for you guys? Um, yeah, for. For me and Jeff, Valeria Card Kingdoms, which I guess is local designers, although they're much bigger than we are, um, <laughs> Daily Magic Games, has been like that was that was a total surprise for us. Like we kept seeing everyone playing it at conventions, you know, because they're all at all the conventions, and and I was like, I guess we just have to try this game, even though the theme is not something that I would normally like want. Like, there's nothing wrong with it. It's just, it's just not my something that would instantly attract me to the game. And then as soon as we played it. We've been playing it like every week, probably multiple times a week for like the last eight months. It's just like we become we became addicted to that game, and now we're just waiting for the expansion. We backed it on Kickstarter, but uh, so that nice. one's that one is definitely it's it's also been kind of eye opening to see a game that's like somewhat more I don't know like it's like the rules are really simple, 
in a way. But when you first play it, the first couple times that you play, it's it's kind of tedious because you know there's all these different cards and you kind of have to figure out like what each one can do and stuff like that. Um, which normally we shy away from games like that. But once we got over the first couple of times playing it and we kind of figured it out, it's just, it's so much fun. And whatever we don't know what to play, that's just a default. <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm, whenever we get a new game, I'm like, uh, I don't know, I go right to YouTube and I'm like, let me watch someone else play it because I'm like super bad with rules. <laughs> so I'll go through it. I'm like, well, it doesn't explicitly say like we can't do this thing. Like, oh, crap. <laughs> YouTube, so everything's just YouTube now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or board game geek. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, the the custom meeples that are that are coming with the game are super cool. Like I've been using my D and D dragons because it just looks really neat for the for the review copy. But uh, the the custom dragon meeples and little wizards and stuff with their hats is really awesome. Uh, was that was that always going to be part of the base game, or had you considered doing that maybe as a stretch goal if you hit you know certain funding? Um, yeah, I guess it's that's been the plan for a while. I th it, it's the type of thing that every time. So when we do these playtest events, right? Like we always ask people for feedback after they play the game, and we have like this form that they fill out and everything. And by the time that the game was pretty much done developing and we were just kind of like making sure like trying to kind of spread the word and making sure it was consistently good for people the one comment that we heard a lot was like oh it'd be cool if this was like a little wizard and this was a little dragon so we just went and asked our manufacturer you know what how much is it going to cost and we we could make it work we really wanted to have a 20 dollar game because we feel like for the type of game that it is that's a that's a that's about what we feel we can expect people to pay sure. um, and we could keep it at $20 even with a custom meeple. So we just decided to do it from the beginning and not make it a stretch goal. Cause I don't know, cause they look cool. And I, I we've, <laughs> we've actually had a couple of backers cause we've been messaging every, everyone that backs our game. We've, you know, we send them a personal message thanking them and just, you know, saying if there's anything that they have questions about or what attracted them to our game and stuff. And like a few people have said like, yeah, the custom meeples, like that's what made me click pledge. So, yeah. <laughs> a good call in on your part. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and if people want to see, we actually, our manufacturer made a sample of them already, and we posted a picture of the two, the little wizard and dragon meeples on, I think it was update four, maybe, on the Kickstarter page, so people can actually see a picture of roughly what they're going to look like. They're not painted yet, but yeah. Cool. Yeah, that's really cool. I mean, you know, it's, it's one of those perceived value things, right? Like, I mean, you can play with just, you know, like Parcheesi pawns and the game plays exactly the same way. But, you know, when you get that little extra cool kick factor, mm -hmm. you know, it, it kind of, you know, makes it worthwhile in people's minds to, you know, maybe make that pledge or, you know, pick something up at the store. So, yeah. yeah, definitely. Um, you, the game itself is complete. I mean, it, it plays really well. It scales really well. You've got cool meeples, uh, all that kind of stuff. So the, the stretch goals, it looks like you guys are going to be aiming more for like quality upgrades and things like that. Have your card stock and linen finishes and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the plan. We were, we wanted to keep it simple. I guess we, you know, it's, it's our first campaign and our, so our, our goal is just really to, make a good game and deliver it on time to everyone. So we were not going to start messing around with adding like game changing 
things as stretch goals and stuff like that. Uh, everything that's on there has been thoroughly play tested. So we didn't want to like add other things that weren't and stuff like that. Uh, there is one thing that changes the game, though. You can get the uh, the uh, mini expansion, Formidable Magic. It uh, allows you to possess the other player's uh, wizard meeples and be able to move them around, as well as uh, uh, extra um, tile spells that allow you to flip tiles over, essentially eliminating the need for an element card uh, or uh, only allowing for one element card. So if you were leaving from, say, a, a water side, you wouldn't need a, you know, a corresponding card to enter that tile. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that as, as the, I guess, yeah, the expansion does add some more uh, gameplay elements to it. Um, but yeah, what I, what I meant is like, as in terms of like stretch goals, cause you know, as soon as you get a Kickstarter and this is, this is totally fine. Like people want to know like, Oh, do you have like any exclusives planned or any like new, new types of cards or things planned as, as stretch goals. And like, that's fine that people have ideas and it actually, there's some good ideas that we now want to try to play test, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but it's just for us knowing that is, this is a, a small campaign, like we wanted to go into it just knowing like, well, everything we're putting out there right now, that's the game that we have, that we have play tested, that we're confident on. And we're not, we don't want to try to play with adding like new content halfway through right. and things like that. Right. Layers upon layers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, and then we talked about the art a little bit earlier. Uh, Tarana Cliff did the art uh, on the box, which was was super cute. Kind of had like a you know sort of a family, you know sort of like you know young kids sort of feel to it. Um, and and then she wound up doing all the art. Um, mm -hmm. I guess after some you know review stuff came out, and you know it's kind of going back and forth. Uh, she did a great job. I mean, uh, the, the tiles really pop now, you know, the cards and everything. And, and it just matches really well with the, the overall art for the box and everything. So she did a great job. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Thanks. We, we, we met her at a, at a convention last year and she has a web comic. Um, and we saw that she had it on her iPad. It's an, it's an inter interactive web comic. So you can like click on the screen and like things move around and stuff. So obviously our kids just love that of all the things they saw at the gaming convention. That was like the one they wanted to go back to. But I just, at the time we didn't have this, the theme for this game in mind yet. But when I saw her art, I was, I just wanted to keep her in mind because she had, well, first of all, her web comic is about a female knight. And that is just like, we have two little girls and that's just something that's important to us. So that's kind of how it got started. And then we just, yeah, got cool. in touch with her and she was all for trying to do some board game art. <laughs> so Nice. And the, and the name of the, uh, the comic is Nguyen, the Knight Who Wandered Dream. Yeah. And uh, there's links in the show notes for that. A link to the Tumblr, uh, I think, as well as her Twitter page. I have to go back and check, but there's okay. links in the show notes. <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I looked around a, a little bit. Yeah. It looks really cool. Uh, she also has, you know, uh, information out there about the dragon dodge and the Kickstarter and links to all those mm -hmm. things. So you can uh, also find uh, the Kickstarter through Toronto's page. So that's, uh, that's cool. Um, yeah. <laughs> Uh, do you guys have any new projects sort of, you know, lying in the weeds stuff that you're kind of working on or plan on working on as the, uh, the Kickstarter wraps up? 
Uh, yeah, we've we have a couple of ideas in the very early stages still. So nothing like nothing that we've there's nothing that we've tried to play and that we're like, yeah, this is the next game that we're gonna do. But we've got some new ideas that we want to test out soon, as soon as the Kickstarter ends, probably. <laughs> Everything is kind of on hold right now, including all the household duties. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, Kickstarter is a beast. So, <laughs> a lot of my household things are on hold, and I'm not doing anything other than this. So, I don't. <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah, I guess to be honest, it's probably only slightly worse than it normally is. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, that's cool. Um, so people go uh, check out the Kickstarter. It's a it's a, a fun game. Twenty bucks gets you the game with all unlocked stretch goals. Twenty four bucks will get you the game, the unlocked stretch goals, and the mini expansion. Uh, shipping in the U.S. is included, so twenty four bucks gets you the whole kit and caboodle. So you can't beat that with a stick. So. <laughs> People should go and uh, and check that out. Um, you want to again? We have links in the show notes, but you want to throw out your your contact information here, where people can hear it. Oh yeah, uh, so I'm Maggie Stewart, and my husband Jeff Fitzgerald. Uh, we work together designing some games. You can find us at hiddencreekgames.com, or of course, if you go to Kickstarter and just search for Dragon Dodge, we're the first ones that will show up. The only ones that will show up. <laughs> yeah, actually, yes. <laughs> Which is one something that you don't know going into it, how that's going to look. But yeah. <laughs> well, and I was looking at work the other day because I wanted to show it somebody and I'm typing into the search engine Dragon Delve and it's not coming up. And I'm like, why the hell is this not coming up? And I'm like, oh, that's not the right name. <laughs> <laughs> so if you put in Dragon Dodge into the search on Kickstarter, it will be the only thing that comes up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, we do have uh, five final questions to give for you. We call it the final five, ironically enough. It's uh, five <laughs> geeky, nerdy questions or sort of a, you know, binary yes or no sort of thing or, you know, why this one or that one. Uh, so we'll we'll jump into that. Okay. All right, the first one is Star Trek or Star Wars? I'm going to go with, can I pick Star Trek Next Generation? Sure. Okay. <laughs> I, yeah. I kind of figured as a physicist, it would be like more Star Trek than Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. Next Generation is the type of thing we always have on the background when we just want something while we talk about games or something. <laughs> sure. For me, it's usually South Park. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> it's on all the time. So. <laughs> all right. Uh, tabletop or video games? Uh, tabletop. Yeah, that makes sense, right? I should probably just toss this question because that's almost 100% <laughs> the answer. <laughs> yeah, I mean, video games are cool, but I, we easily get sucked in and then you spend too much time on it. So, <laughs> Yeah, well, and with kids, you know, board games and things are probably yeah. easier to get everybody involved with stuff. Yeah, yeah. All right, this one might be a stretch. DC or Marvel? Oh, man, I... You know, I don't even know. I can't place which one is which. Um, my my youngest has a bad girl sweatshirt that she loves and she wears every single day. So whichever one did Batman. That's DC. <laughs> okay. It, it's really Batman or Marvel. I make this joke every time, okay. but yeah. It's... <laughs> All right. Uh, sci-fi or fantasy? Uh, sci-fi. Yeah. Okay, again, probably not a stretch, right? Yeah. <laughs> It's, yeah, we always like to make fun of all the scientific terms that are used incorrectly in sci-fi, so. <laughs> <laughs> Your own little mystery science theater. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
All right. And if you could have one superpower, what would it be? Oh, man, one superpower. Um, I guess I would like to fly just because it seems really cool. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> you need like super goggles so you don't get bugs in your eyes or just, like, oh. mouth guard for them. <laughs> yeah, there's always a catch with all the superpowers, isn't there? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I, I people have asked me before, we've never answered teleportation a hundred percent nightcrawler style. You bamf here, you bamf there. I hate driving in the car. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that would, that would be a good one, especially since our family is all far away, I guess. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Just grab the kids in both arms. Let's go. Boop. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, I, I appreciate you coming on. I, I appreciate, uh, you know, having the opportunity to uh, to review Dragon Dodge. Like I said, it was a fun game. I've I've totally enjoyed it. I, I haven't pulled the trigger yet, but I I am going to jump on there and, uh, and be a backer. I want to get that little mini expansion. Looking forward to possessing other people's meeples. <laughs> All right. Yeah, no, thank you so much for, for agreeing to review our game and, uh, and for having me on. This has been fun. Oh, absolutely. Well, I appreciate that. That makes me feel good. It means I'm doing a good job, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I, I, whenever I'm by myself in the car, which is not often, I do look up to see if you have a new podcast and I like to listen to them. So, Oh, all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Every Monday we release an AP and then usually uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, we're doing some kind of a live interview. So <laughs> ah, those podcasts drop randomly throughout the week. I guess it just kind of depends on when we, uh, when I have the time and then when we have somebody scheduled, but yeah, there's yeah. always something dropping somewhere. So <laughs> we appreciate you checking it out for sure. <laughs> all right i'll give out all of our stuff here as i always do if you enjoyed this podcast or this this video you can find this and all of our other cool stuff at legendsoftabletop.com if you have any questions comments or feedback you can reach out to us at legendsoftabletop at gmail.com we're on twitter at legends tabletop we're on tumblr uh i don't know you name it we're probably there we're on instagram i post board game pictures and stuff uh, or sunsets or whatever strikes my fancy um we're on a uh, google google play music uh itunes our feed is on soundcloud you can find us on stitcher uh throw us into your favorite pod catcher probably pick it up from somewhere and uh you can get all of this awesome podcasting goodness <laughs> So we appreciate everybody checking it out, and we'll catch you next time. This podcast is a proud member of the Legends of Tabletop broadcast network. For more gaming-related content, please visit www.legendsoftabletop.com.